Hey friends, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this message today. Everything that the Lord shows me is designed to impact people's lives and advance the kingdom in a mighty way. My prayer is that you would be so blessed and so rooted and so established in the more that the Lord has in store for your life. And remember, stay fired up! All right, well good morning everyone. It's great to see all of you. We've got a great group of people here today. I love to see a full sanctuary. It means that the Lord's doing something great and attracting all of us together. Yeah. I'm going to start out this morning by saying a couple things. I don't mean to be odd or weird about something, but I need to address it. For those of you that are visiting for the first time, I want to say thank you for being here. And right now we're uh, dismissing our junior high students. So if you have a junior high student, 6th through 8th grade, they're being released to go and be at Unit C1 uh, and to fellowship together, all right? For those of you that are visiting and don't know, about a week and a half ago, I had long hair. I had long hair for a long time. I know it can seem a little bit odd to talk about a haircut, but I want to talk about it mainly because no one ever knew me with short hair. And there are a lot of people that came to this church that loved the fact that they had a pastor that was really cool with long hair. But what most people don't understand and don't know is that I never had long hair most of my life. I actually grew my hair long 12 years ago for a girl. She was kind of a surfer girl. She wanted me to have long hair so I could be just a little bit cooler. When I was 13, I put earrings in my ear because I wanted to be cool, and I had them my entire life. And I loved having long hair because it really tore down a lot of walls in a lot of people's lives. There was something really neat about the effect of when I met somebody that didn't know me, and they heard that I was a pastor, and they saw me, it really tore down this kind of religious wall in their life. And I love to see the look on their face when they heard, first heard that I was a pastor. And I milked that pretty good for a really long time, for a long time. But at the same time, having long hair also probably put some walls up with other people. There were many people that didn't like the fact that I had long hair and they thought there was no way that I could be a pastor and wouldn't come to the church because I had long hair. Some people struggled even in calling me their pastor because I had long hair. I kind of liked that too, and I milked that as well. I had a lot of fun with that because I've always been a nonconformist. I don't do something based on what other people like or don't like. I do it based on what I feel the Holy Spirit's telling me and what I like because I have to be me, and I have to be authentic to myself. And it's in being authentic to yourself that you'll actually find a great move from the Lord. Because it's not about your look, it's not about whether you're thin or you're overweight, it's not about whether you have issues or don't, it's not about whether you buy your clothes from Walmart or the buckle at the mall, it's not about those things. And even though man may look at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart, and you have to make a decision. Do you want to please man through an outward appearance, or do you want your heart to be revealed for who you really are? And I loved having long hair, and God did some incredible things through the season of me having long hair. I mean... I had hair to the middle of my back and grew a church to 500 people. We brought in hundreds of thousands of dollars. I started businesses. I have more millionaire friends than most people have. All because I was able to be authentic to myself, not just because I had long hair. But I cut my hair because for a year I had felt this unhappiness and unsettledness inside of my heart. I'd love to tell you I had this incredible supernatural aura, life and changing experience and God came down in a glory cloud and said, cut your hair. I'd love to tell you I had this Nazarite vow and like Paul, I cut my hair. 
The most spiritual experience that I can tell you is that I've known for a long time in my heart that God was telling me it's time. And I found myself continuously discontent with myself and how I looked, and God said it was time, but little did I know what would come out of that experience. And I'm starting to realize it now. Because most of my life and most of the times, in fact, the times that I was the most on fire and the most prophetic and the times that I grew the most in the Lord, playing in reggae bands and doing all the things that I did before I knew the Lord, but then coming out of that, I always had short hair. I was a youth pastor for five years with short hair. I would go out and do street evangelism and prophetic evangelism with short hair. Because it wasn't about how I looked and it wasn't about the walls that could be torn down in somebody else's life. Because of that, it was because of the prophetic voice and the fire that was inside of me. And what happened by cutting my hair was God said, you are entering into a new season of promotion because now you won't be able to lean on anything but the Holy Spirit. And it's going to bring freedom into other people's life because the hair may have changed, but the voice remains the same. Now, I know it may sound funny to take that time to talk about it, but I'm telling you, I don't really care what makes you cool. Your coolness factor doesn't come from your money, your job. Your coolness factor doesn't come from how you look and your, stat- your social status. What makes you awesome is Jesus and what I see inside of you. And now what happens is there's nothing that I can lean on. It was fun for 12 years, but now... Because of cutting my hair, my voice is going to become a little bit more confident, a little bit more powerful, because there's a promotion coming to my life and a promotion coming to this church. If there's a spiritual understanding about that change, and for those of you that are visually thinking, man, why is he talking so long? Understand, my wife never knew me with short hair. This church never knew me with short hair. And last week, it was like talking to deer in headlights. It didn't really matter what I said. People were like in total shock. This is a family. This is a family. I'm not really worried whether you like me or not like me. Because the anointing and the presence and the power of God is here. The prophetic wind of the Spirit's here. And people are getting set free here. That's what I care about. It's not about whether if you're church shopping today, let me just encourage you. If you're here visiting for the first time, even if you're not church shopping, some people just come to this church for the first time. Please come back at least two more times. Because sometimes I'm really good and sometimes I'm not so good. But the great news is I'm not measured on how good I am. In fact, many times I'll preach and fall flat on my face. And the Lord will allow that so that I'll never lean on anything else. Not about how good I am, the wisdom of man, or the nice preaching of intellect that makes you feel good. Because I'm not here to make you feel good. I'm out to change your life. And I understand that when you make the decision to go after the Lord and to live a lifestyle of faith, the devil is going to launch everything he can against you to beat you down, to hold you back, and to get you distracted. He's going to get you afraid. He's going to get you isolated. He's going to get you afraid of change. You can't be afraid of change. If God says change, you change. Because I'm not leaning on anything else but the Holy Spirit. And I understand that the enemy is going to work really hard to stop a testimony And to stop what's happening in this church. And for those of you that are visiting and those of you that have not been here for a while or even those of you that are part of this family, I want to remind everybody, this is a spirit-filled, full gospel church. We're a charismatic church, not a charismaniac church. And what I mean by charismatic, the word charismata in the Greek means gifts. 
And I believe the book of Acts is still being written today. I believe that we're now living epistles carrying on the promises and the purposes of God. And I believe that God is pouring out a spirit as much today, if not more, than he did then. So I believe in laying on of hands, casting out demons, praying for the sick. She cut about praying in tongues. Why not? It's everywhere in the Bible. But the enemy's going to try to distract us and get us focused on all the wrong things. And what's happening here in a church like this that's growing and blooming and blossoming without fear of inhibition and fear of being who God's called us to be is becoming a sign and wonder to this city and will be to the nations, mark my words. You are a sign and wonder. If you stay here and don't let the devil hold you back and don't let fear and worry and shame and being weirded out by the gifts of the Spirit and you'll get unified together, I promise you, we're going to see supernatural results in the promises of God for this city that some of us have believed for for a very long time. Whew, just taking the anointing right now because I'm telling you, when God pours out, pours out his spirit, nothing matters. I don't have to call you out on your issues, though I could. I could look right at you and say, oh, I see this, 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 and this. But you don't need to be afraid of that because when perfect love comes to tell the truth anointing comes, and I don't even have to call it out because you come out of hiding. And what I want you to understand and know is that this place is rooted and grounded on love and the works of the Spirit come from a place of love because I can't worry about the issues and the problems and the challenges in your life. What I've got to do is love you and get you to the cross and help you to be led by the Holy Spirit in everything you do because that will change your life. We're going to have a conference this summer. I'm bringing in Doug Stringer and another pastor that has a church of nearly 1,000 people that's on fire. That's like a spiritual father in my life. Been with Prophet Kevin Leal for a long time. And I'm bringing in Prophet Kevin. And we're having a leadership conference. And the focus of the conference is going to be how to grow an on-fire, spirit-filled church in the modern-day, Western-Americanized age. Where it's not so freaky and so weird, but you do it in such a normal way that everybody embraces it and gets comforted by the power and the love of the Holy Spirit. And we're all going to the cross together, living under the Lordship of Christ. Because let me just tell you, if you stay a part of this church, you will be labeled weird and you'll be persecuted because this is not technically the popular thing. Now, we love it because the comfort of the Holy Spirit's here. And God has given me a grace and an understanding to teach it in a normal way and to demonstrate it to you in a way that makes sense somewhat. Because praying in tongues will baffle your mind. Casting out demons will baffle your mind. That's why your intellect must be submitted to the Holy Spirit. Your intellect is a terrible master. And if you let logic and intellect try to rule you, you'll always be confounded. Because the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit. The spiritual things can only be discerned by the Holy Ghost. Which means our intellect must be first submitted to the Lordship of Christ so God can have his way. And the Holy Spirit's coming to bring power to your life right now. It's a new day for God's church. And I'm not puffing me up and I'm not puffing up necessarily Roxy. But what I am telling you is you are a prophetic generation. You, every one of you from the front to the back, all of you in the back, those of you that are visiting, those that are you just checking out this church, something is drawing and attracting you. Yeah. 
But at some point, you've got to move past being attracted to God and make a unified commitment to become one with him. And then when in becoming one with him must be becoming one with each other. Has to be. God demonstrated his acts to Israel, but his ways to Moses, Psalm 139. And the point is, is that at some point you move past being attracted to the acts and making a commitment to the ways. Yes, I love the power of God. Yes, I want an on-fire, radical, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, demon-busting, Holy Ghost-rocking, prophesying, dream-interpreting church. But... And I love your shouting, but if we don't have moral righteousness and getting to the cross and living upright, all of that means nothing to me. If I don't have a church filled with love and passion and unity, that's, that's coming out of hiding. See, I was attracted to the Lord because of his heart as a father. And the father's heart and father's love is what must be made manifest and rule and reign here, not just the power of God. People will be attracted to the power of God but they'll stay committed because they understand the love of a father. And for me, it was the love of the father, the dad I never had. The dad I never had. When my earthly father abandoned me and left me, when I felt neglect, when I didn't understand true love and my childhood was robbed, so I chased after girls and drugs and used my own looks and popularity for my own gain. And it killed me and threw me into prison. And it, and it just ruined my life and I ruined other people's life. God visited me as a father because it's the father's love that transforms a life. And it's out of the father's love that I demonstrate acts of power and we prophesy because we believe and we care. Prophecy brings edification and building into your life. You've got to wake up and stop being asleep to the miraculous power and wonder of who God is and believe in yourself and believe that God has more for you because I do. When I first got into ministry, when I first got into ministry, I wanted to rip people's head off because I was seeing all the people's issues. And if I wanted to, I could look right at you and I could see all your sin. I'm telling you, if I wanted to, I could call you out on all your sin issues. Because God gives us discernment. But I said to the Lord, I said, God, I can't do this. I don't even want to see your issues anymore because I want to love the way he loves and I want to speak life and promise to you because I know when I speak life and love and promise to you, you know what that does? It covers a multitude of sins. Because when you feel covered, you won't be afraid to take off the hiding and come out of shame. Oh, you, it's true. Just go get in the presence of the Lord alone. When I get with God alone, it's easy for me to tell God all my stuff. But get me together in relationship with other people, and it's so much harder. But when the Father's love overwhelms me and overtakes me, and I know that I can be uncovered and not walk in shame and fear anymore, I'm not afraid to be who God's called me to be with you. So I can look you right in the eyes, and I can look all of you right in the eyes face to face, no more hiding behind hair or looks. Not that I was. I'm just telling you. I can say, look at me. Because in me is love for you. And I've renounced the hidden areas of shame. Because of love. Not because of torment and fear. And so I remove those things. So there's no more of the way I used to be. 
So if, you're li- if you have pornography, if you have anger, if you're living a life of addiction, if I love you well and the spirit of love and the spirit of prophecy fills this place, it will set you free because you won't want to stay in hiding anymore. That's why you must stay consistent in continuing to come. This cannot be just a Sunday morning experience for you. We're a family and God is into a body and unifying one another and that forces you to be in relationship. And relationships are hard, but that's why God measures us in the context of relationship. So Jesus would have to come and spend every day for three years with his disciples that didn't like each other. One was a tax collector and one was a fisherman, both the scourges of society. They didn't like each other because the fisherman was always lying about his income and the tax collector wanted to take his money. But the tax collectors were hypocritical liars that were in cahoots with the Roman government to steal from their own people. So they kind of didn't like each other. So they had a whole slew of messes in their life that Jesus would have to walk intimately with for three years. And then they would have to get into unity together in prayer in order for the power of the Holy Spirit to come. They would have to become one. And so Paul, having gone to the church of Philippi on a missionary journey, turns the city upside down. This church is a lot like that church. A lot of persecution, a lot of hardship, and started with a lot of deliverance and a breaking of the natural norm of the cultural society. Just read Acts 16. In Acts 16, Paul's on a missionary journey with Silas. And this whole church starts from the freedom and the healing and the deliverance of two women. The first one's a woman by the name of Lydia. Lydia is a wealthy woman that sells fine linen and purple. So they go on a missionary journey, and instead of going to the popular synagogue, they go out to the river to hang out because they heard that's where people go to pray. Must have been the outcast kind of people. Must have been the people that don't fit. He goes to where Jesus would go by the water to rescue the fishermen. Jesus, or Paul and Silas, go to the river, and here comes a woman. A prophetic promise of God raising up his bride and raising up women in these last days to be the voice of the church. And that's why we as men must be empowering women, because God's going to raise up women to be sellers of fine linen and purple and to further promote the gospel. And that's what happens with Lydia. Hanging out by the river. Just notice how the atmosphere is changing right now. Because the prophetic anointing is in this room. And I'm going to make a commitment to the Lord to be more prophetic than I've ever been. Prophecy doesn't mean death in the streets and bird flu and the end's going to. I mean, look, we all know the end's coming. So let's get past that. We all know terror and darkness is on the rise. Now, why don't we become more on fire and shine a little bit brighter and stop worrying about all of that other stuff? You have got to stop being terrorized. The enemy wants to bring terroristic fear into your life. So you shine brighter and get more on fire and say, I don't know about this tongues thing, but I got to pray the mysteries of God. I got to have it and whatever it's going to take. I got to have the fullness of the Holy Ghost. I got to lay hands on somebody. And the more the enemy brings sickness and persecution and death, and the more he tries to terrorize me, I'm going to preach the gospel more because it's for his gain, not mine. Yeah. So Lydia gets rocked. And then she starts funding the work of the ministry. And they start going around 
the country of Philippi, or the, the city of Philippi, which is in Greece. It's not Philippians, by the way, or it's not the Philippines. For those of you that don't know Bible, the church of Philippi is not in the Philippines. It was in Greece. I know many of us are like, oh, that's silly. I knew that. But many people don't read their Bible and don't know that. So he's on a, they're on a missionary journey. And here comes a woman with a python spirit. She's a, she is being human trafficked. She's a slave girl. She's being human trafficked. And I say she's a python spirit because I know the Greek and the word different divination in the greek is the word python and the new testament was written in the greek so in the original greek it said she had a python spirit so don't get freaked out and weird out about that that's original greek look it up this is act 16 i'm not going to bring it up because i got another point to make today we're just following the holy spirit right now because god orchestrates let him who speaks speaks with the oracles of god and as god gives the ability which means he's the master conductor so do you want a man-made service or a holy spirit-led service because i can give you a one hour four song 20 minute be done get to the buffet in about 20 minute service but i would think that you guys are here because you don't want that and some of you don't know why you're here just the holy spirit brought you here or somebody drug you here, or they invited you, and it was a setup. <laughs> setup for you guys. Because God knew just what you needed to hear. And what I've got to be is like an archer. I've got to be able to speak to hundreds of people at once and still hit the bullseye every time. How do you do that with a pre-canned message or following the Holy Ghost? And what matters more, that I massaged your brain with behavior modification and five points that made you feel good, or the Holy Ghost that rocked you and changed you and you walked out and said, I don't know what just happened, but I'm not the same. Yeah! That's what you need. And I thought, man, Lord, I can't tell them about Acts 16 on a Sunday morning. It'll freak them out. Pythons, oh my gosh, that's a Wednesday night service. And God says, no, you're going there, not even in my notes. But see, when you start talking about the supernatural, this whole church will get lit up. Because we have ostracized the Holy Spirit in our churches. We have diminished the power and dumbed down the power of God to where we come to a church expecting less and say, let's hurry up. I know there's a big ball game today and you're going to have some fun. And I'm glad. And I love the jerseys, by the way. I love the team spirit. I'm serious about that. But God is going to fill you up and prepare you for even more. And God has got you here for a reason much bigger than you thought or suspected. And you're actually going to enjoy the game more today because you got some fullness of the Holy. Let me tell you, when you put God first, Dallas football games are so much better. I'm just letting you all know. So they start going around the city. And here comes a, a human trafficked girl with the spirit of python. The python spirit is the spirit of divination. And these people were satellite receivers that had a gift from God. And instead of being tuned into the Holy Ghost, they were turned in, tuned into a demonic network. That's what psychics, tarot card readers, astrologers, that's what they have. They have a gift from God, but they're just like a satellite tuned into the wrong channel. These people have prophetic gifts, and most of the time, the church has said, you can't be prophetic in the church. So they run, they get ostracized, so they now use their gift to fortune tell instead of foretell. And this woman, this slave girl, was a fortune teller, and she had pimps and johns and, and masters that were running her life because she was being human trafficked. Read the story. 
You guys should all go read Acts 16 tonight. But I'll just paraphrase it for you because it's kind of fun when I tell it to you in story form, isn't it? And when I tell you this church is starting from supernatural experiences and that the psychics and the tarot card readers. And when, I, when God says, you're going to preach a good Christmas message. And he says, on Christmas message, I want you to tell everybody that the Magi were astrologers and fortune tellers and new agers that, that practiced Zohar, Zoroastroism. They saw the star because they were astrologers. And so instead of a good Christmas morning message, getting people saved about the gospel and Jesus as a baby... God had me tell them a message that was a little bit unpopular, maybe that I didn't want to say. And I got beat up by the enemy after it because that, man, I brought my dad for the first time to church and pastor was talking about saving sorcerers. And then God says, watch what happens when you stay true to what I tell you to stay. You know, I remember when I was in the corporate world making $160,000 a year, I looked just like this. I can no longer say I used to have short hair. Seriously. I mean, I had a suit and tie on. And I remember when I went up to the 20th floor in Minneapolis, Minnesota, to try to sell one of the most important insurance companies in all of the upper Midwest region. And I sat down, in the, and I had my materials, and the lady that was in charge, the vice president of human resources, says to me, she says, why should I put my business with you? What makes you different? And I don't even, I can't even tell you what, I mean, I know it's Holy Spirit, but right out of my mouth comes, well, what makes us different is Jesus, and it's because Jesus and the characters and values of his life in the Bible are what rules our company. And she was looking at me first, and she goes, stop smiling, put her head down, and, the, and I knew that I had offended her. She was probably an atheist. She didn't want to hear anything else I had to say. And she said, well, and my, the whole rest of the sales a meeting was awkward. I fumbled over my words. I totally bombed it. And I walked out feeling destitute. And I heard the Holy Spirit say as I went down the elevator, he said, because you were faithful to tell the truth and not deny me in front of that meeting, I'm going to give you 10 times the more business that you ever would have got from that appointment. You know, one of the worst ways to tell a story, and by the way, he did. Let me tell you one of the worst ways to start out as a preacher. When you're standing in front of a whole bunch of people that don't know you, and the first thing that comes out of your mouth is, I spent a year in prison. That's kind of not the way to start a sermon. (laughs) I remember last year, I got asked to speak at a conference, and I'm shocked I got asked to speak again. My very first time, I mean, I got asked to speak at this church in West Virginia. Pastors come in here, big conference. Kevin Leal, it's a big name guy, spiritual fathers. Man, I'm like excited. They're going to pay my way. Man, first time, hey. I'm getting asked to go speak at a conference. Never been a conference speaker. So I'm excited. I'm nervous. And by the way, I always get nervous when I preach. Always. And when I get nervous, I'm like hypersensitive. I get cold real easy. Like I'm cold right now. Some of you are like, man, it's hot in here. Listen, if it's a degree below 73, I'm cold. (laughs) I'm from Miami, Florida. I like it hot. My favorite place to go on mission trips is Jamaica. What can I tell you? I like the Caribbean. Send me to Cuba. Send me to Trinidad. The last place I want to go is Russia. Lord, don't send me to Russia. And you know what's going to happen, right? He's going to send me to Russia. Mark my words. We're going to giggle about that one day. Russia, here I come. I have to get a lot of layers, preaching a heavy coat. So I get nervous, and I 
feel all these things, and it's always worked because I take my responsibility serious. I'm going to teach you the Bible. I'm going to point you to God. I'm standing in front of so many people. I mean, this, I, this is incredible. I never really would have known or thought it would have happened. And when there's thousands, now I know, but God's preparing me. This is incredible. My wife and I often say, how could God love us and trust us so much? And God says, stay humble because I'm bringing more. Never think it was because of you or your ability. And that's why God probably used the long hair thing. And now he says, I'm diminishing you more. Cut your hair off. And man, I was very self-conscious last week. Because I've, I've been used to having this kind of cool persona. And man, it's like, you don't have that anymore. That's gone, sucker. That's what the Lord said to me. But he said it funny like that. And I stood up at this, con- man, I had this great message. It was all about how you can be positioned for your promotion. And God says, you're going to talk about death. And I got up, and the first word that came out of my mouth was, hey, everybody, it's great to see you. My name's Pastor David from Rock City Corpus Christi. I spent a year in prison. <laughs> now, for those of you that are visiting, don't freak out. I wasn't a violent criminal. criminal. I got busted with tie-dye long johns, red wrestling shoes, a tie-dye long sleeve shirt, and a Mexican poncho with a tie-dye on my head, and for drugs, going to a Grateful Dead concert. Peace, love, and happiness. I wouldn't have harmed a fly. I mean, I probably wanted to save the flies. I mean, my motto was, forget the whales, save the bales. Some of you will get that later. That was several lifetimes ago, not a few weeks ago. But God will use the shortcomings and the failings and the hardships and the mistakes that you made to build a testimony that will ultimately tear down walls in other people's lives and get you to the place where you're free from your past. And now your past becomes a testimony. So even if you had an abortion or you were raped or you were abused as a child, you can come into love and get free from that and now use that story to set the other women free that are living in bondage and captive. Now I don't have to be afraid anymore because I've come out of hiding and I don't have to worry that you may not like me. Man, that pastor, man, he's an ex-con. Now, if you really knew the story, 10 years later, I stood in front of the same judge and he wiped my record clean. My rec- you, it's not even on my record anymore because 10 years later, after being honorable and obedient to the Holy Spirit, God promoted me and now I went before the same Greek judge and preached to the entire courtroom the whole courtroom, I'm talking people that were there for the same reason I was 10 years before, were now hearing me say, thank you, judge. Thank you so much for sending me to prison. It was the best year of my life. And now I'm ministering to over 100 college students, telling them how to avoid the pitfalls of what I did. And the judge starts crying. And the enemy wants to put a stain on you because you were divorced or because you're struggling or because you, went, you did this and wants to keep you in shame and keep us divided. So he'll use people that have gone through it to set you free because we who become strong now can bear the weaknesses of those that can't for themselves. And now I help you carry your cross. So when I look at you and you have difficulties and struggles and challenges and I can feel them, instead of calling you out, I say, come on, let's throw that weight on my back too and I'll help you even if I'm dragging myself because to carry 
and bear the infirmities and the weaknesses of others means I'm helping you to get to the cross to Jesus, not carrying it for myself, but helping you to get to the cross. It means I'm going to drag myself along because I'm strong in labor. I'm strong to see you give birth to your vision because I believe in the promises of God for you. So instead of keeping you back and beating you down, I say, come on, let's link up arms and get you to the cross and I'm going to help you. Because that's what Jesus did. And that's what Simon the Cyrene did for Jesus when he couldn't carry his own cross. When he was beat down and whipped. Because many of us have been beat down. Many of us have felt inadequate and short. And this church is a lot like the church of Philippi because check this out. This woman, I know we're like that because this happens to me a lot. Okay, this is what happens. This woman with the spirit of python and divination starts following paul paul and silas around and she starts shouting out these men are from the most high god and they show the way of salvation now that's the truth she was telling the truth and it sounded right but without the discerning of the holy spirit Paul and Silas would have never known. And at first, I mean, she followed them for a few days. I got to believe that at the beginning, they were like, yeah. Hey, this girl is shouting out that we're from the Most High and have the way of salvation. This sounds right. But they realized after a couple days, something's not right. And Paul turns being annoyed. He was annoyed. And he looked to the woman and said, come out. Of her in the name of Jesus Christ. And the demonic python spirit. Left her with a word. Now this is how the church of Philippi started. This is what happens. The Johns and the human trafficking pimps. That were ruling her life. Got so angry because the way that they were making money. Because she was a fortune teller. Suddenly was gone. And they're losing their career and their livelihood. And so what they did was they stirred up dissent with the city leaders and said, we're Romans, they're Jews. Just like what they did, what tried to do with Jesus, they stirred up dissent. And what happens? The city leaders grab Paul and Silas, throw them or bring them to the city square and then accuse them, convict them, and then scourge them just like they did Jesus lashes with whips and chains because they were Romans and they beat Paul and Silas and then they threw them into jail and I'm talking not just jail I'm talking they went to the lockdown cell because if you read it it says they went to the inner cell and threw shackles on their ankles I said there's a pattern here so if I'm going to reach the psychics and the astrologers and the tarot card readers and if I'm going to set the captives free, and if I'm going to see the human trafficking victims get healthy, I better be ready because chances are likely there's some persecution going to come. And the church grew and expanded. I mean, you should know the story. Paul and Silas at the midnight hour are praising God and worshiping, and the earthquake comes, and you get the story of the jailer. I mean, it's really incredible. All from Acts 16. This is how that church started. So Paul writes a letter to them, and for the first 26 verses, he greets the, the people, the overseers, the saints, the deacons, and the bishops. So these are the, the senators and the fathers and mothers and the leaders, and the, just like our church. And he goes on to say things like, 
I'm in, I'm in prison. Paul's writing from Roman prison in a dungeon, nearly blind, about at the end of his life. And he starts talking about how much hope and courage he has for this church. And he's like in a, in a horrible situation in the natural, but in the spirit he's alive. And he even says things like, I already know that me being here is productive and working for my deliverance because the jailers are seeing my faith and they're giving their life to Jesus. And now the brethren that are watching me are getting fired up because they're saying that even though I'm in the dungeon, I'm staying on fire and they're being encouraged. And then he starts talking, talk like, I feel like I'm at my end and things are about to be finished and I really want to go home. I really want to go be with the Lord, like die. I feel like that. But at the same time, I want to be here because I know as long as I'm here, I'm able to further the gospel in somebody's life. And that's why if you have this rapture, come on, Jesus, just come back, it's so bad attitude, you're missing why God's got you here and what he wants to do. You've got to break that spirit of apathy. I know it's bad. I hate the injustice taking place. But again, God is going to use you to break that injustice. God is using us, and there's a story to tell. And if, I, if Jesus comes back now, you know what I know? There's thousands and millions of people that do not know this kind of love and passion and fire that I'm experiencing. And I would hate for you to go prematurely and not experience this because it wasn't just about getting to heaven. It was about bringing heaven to earth. That's why we sang the song today. Some of you are like, I don't even know how to sing this song. Let heaven come. Let heaven was there like so many times. Let heaven come. Let heaven come. You're like, what in the world does that mean? But yet we'll pray the, the Lord's Prayer a million times at our old Catholic churches. But we come here like, I don't even understand. I say, God, bring, the, bring heaven right now. Bring heaven into this place right now. Because when heaven comes, it's the atmosphere of fire and love and revival. It's the Holy Ghost here to change you. The Lord's Prayer, let your will be done on, in, on earth as it is in heaven. By the way, let me make sure you understand. I love everyone. The Methodists, the Lutheran, the Catholics. I know spirit-filled, tongue-talking Catholics. And God says, get over your hang-ups. They got my Holy Ghost, and they're going to do a work in the Catholic Church. So praise God. I just got to stop comparing. You got to stop comparing yourself, measuring yourself up based on the last church and the way it was, and say, I'm going to embrace the more that God has, whatever it looks like, and whatever that takes, I'm going to do it. God, have your way. Let him mess you up. You need to get messed up. <laughs> Come on, guys. I said, God, mess me up. He said, all right. Now, that's a dangerous prayer because he will mess you up. <laughs> and so Paul says this powerful thing. Like, for example, I, you know, I, I know some of the scripture. You should know Philippians 121. It's a powerful scripture. Paul's like, man, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna keep going through this struggle to be there, like the Holy Spirit, Paul would say things like, I'm yearning to be with the Lord, but as long as I'm here, I have the Holy Spirit as a guarantor for the work that I'm to do here. And then he says this powerful thing in verse 21. He's like, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. And then he says, man, I'm just dying to be with you. He talks about the Philippian church not getting offended. Stop letting offenses divide you. Because if the devil can divide this church and get you to leave and check out and be mad at me and mad at each other and not get involved, keep you isolated, 
If the devil can get us separated, a house divided what? Against itself. Can't stand. So Paul's giving all these admonitions in just the first 26 verses. And then he says, I'm dying to come see you. And here's what he says. You guys ready for a little bit of word now? Your heart should be primed. He says, Philippians 1.27. Whether I get to see you or not, whether I make it to you or not, when I come and I inspect the fruit of your life, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. I'm half Greek, for those of you that don't know. I love treasure hunting the scripture. I love looking more into what the meanings of the words represent. And so I got something fun for you. Do you know what the word conduct means? Most of you don't, but you will after this. The word conduct in the Greek is the exact word for politician. It's where we get the word politician. It's the word politumai. Because the, the premise and the representation of it is, is that the first meaning of conduct is I'm a citizen and a direct delegated representative. I'm not a corrupt politician, but now I'm a political representative of the kingdom. So first I'm a citizen. Then I have delegated authority to represent into your life and now make you a citizen. So I get to go stamp. You're a daughter of the king. Daughter of the king, daughter, daughter, son. So I have authority from heaven because I'm not a corrupt, hypocritical politician, by the way. So conduct means because I'm a part of, I now represent accurately the way it's supposed to be. And it also, the second meaning is the word conversation. It means that because I'm a citizen, the conversations I have represent accurately. So my conduct in my personal life positions me for spiritual promotion because what I do behind closed doors is what I become in the public eye. So now I'm not a corrupt politician, but I'm a, I'm a representative as a son that carries authority, exousia and dunamis authority, authority and power as a representative because I'm now a citizen. I can converse and I can make other people sons and daughters. I represent and I do it in a way that's worthy. Now, worthy's not the understanding of you better measure up because everybody's salvation comes from not being worthy. Everybody's salvation, Jesus came when we weren't worthy. You do not have to be good enough. Understand that. It's not about being worthy enough. Jesus gave his life and died on the cross when you were a sinner. That means no matter what you're going through today, we're designed to love each other and help each other through it because love covers a multitude of sins. So if you're not at the place of walking worthy of the call, now in your weakness and your shortcomings, instead of beating you overhead with the Bible, I now, because I'm strong, Romans 15:1, help to bear in the failings or the shortcomings of the weak. But then when I come to that place, my conduct becomes worthy. My conduct must become worthy. And what worthy means, worthy simply means that I deserve the effort, the attention, and the respect that comes from who I am. And it's not like I'd command you to respect me. I'm the pastor. It's not about title. It's not about positions of influence. It means that because my conduct promoted me, now I earn respect because of who I have become, not what I do. 
You don't get that from a title. You don't get that from how great your ministry is or anointed you are. You get it because you had conduct. That's why this church has got to focus on moral righteousness. No, it is not okay to be living secret hidden lifestyles of fornication and pornography and alcoholism and drunkenness and addiction and anger and abuse. No, that's not okay. Now we'll help you through it. But if after a season and a period of time and we built relationship with you, there has to be freedom for me to lovingly call you out in that. Especially if you're striving for a ministry position. And there are people, I know people, mark my words and you'll see them. I know people that search churches for ministry positions despite their personal conduct. And as soon as that church says, you know what, I, you need to just sit for 60 or 90 days. <clears throat> I need to see how you do relationships with other people before I can ever use you or promote you. They leave and they go find a church. I know people that have found denominational churches that were on the job hunt with a job description and got put into a pastoral position despite their personal life. And I know things about them that that pastor doesn't know or care because it's an institutionalized church. And then let me take it a step further. That person got offended at that other church that said, wait a minute, you need to sit. And now that person's wounded because you didn't get used because you had secret sin in your life, but you had a call from God too. Or when I've been in a relationship with you and I get to know you out of love, I lovingly say, hey, listen, the, the Lord's showing me that there's, this is going on in your life. Or you, through the tell the truth anointing, tell me, hey, I'm sleeping with my girl on the side. And I know you've been wanting to get in a position. I say to you, I say, listen, I love you. I'm going to help you. There's grace, mercy, and forgiveness. You will not be ostracized or put in shame, and I will not kick you out of this church. But what I am going to tell you to do is you better get healthy, and no, I won't marry you. Have a seat for a while. And then they get hurt, and they get wounded, and they leave because the pastor was so tough. But somebody's got to be tough and show tough love. If we don't have a standard of moral righteousness in our life and living conduct that's worthy of the gospel of Christ, forget about all the power stuff. People come out, man, I'm sorry, man, I cast demons out of you. You should see my ministry resume. I need to be in a position at your church. You need to use me. I say, you need to sit down and I need to see, are you the last in and the first out? Or are you here at the altar getting some prayer and coming to these men's meetings and these women's meetings? Somebody's got to measure you. People do not have an understanding of measurement by the biblical standards anymore. And we're too afraid to offend people. So Paul says, I'm coming, but I'm going to inspect. Now. Check this out. It's only through relationship and love, and about 99.9% .9 of the time, I never call anybody out on their sin, ever. I love you. When, I got to let the Holy Spirit. God has called me to be a fisher of men, but not to clean them too. But sometimes, sometimes, everybody say sometimes. sometimes. And you got to not get offended and say, oh, that leader is just calling me out on my stuff. That's not love. But if they're a leader here, they've already demonstrated to me that they'll do it in love. That's a lie. You know what I love about Prophet Kevin Leal? Almost every time Prophet, the first time Prophet Kevin Leal came, so many people hated him. They were offended. Man, they were offended. I've learned record every single meeting on audio because Kevin, does, Kevin is a prophet. And he will call you out in love and set you straight. You'll cry, you'll boo, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when you walk away, the devil comes in and says, man, that prophet was so hard. He's so mean. Me. Ryan was like that. 
But when, that, but when the people got rocked and changed and finally realized that the word was right, the next time Kevin came, they were like, man, Kevin, you changed. You were so much nicer this time. Kevin said, no, I didn't change. You just got freer. Now, sometimes the prophet can be a little harsh. I get it and understand. But you got to not be afraid of prophetic ministry and relationship. No, we're not the God cops. But sometimes for the sake of protecting a larger group of people, I must be a father. And as a father, I can't be afraid to sometimes spank my children. And being spanked, the daddy does it to us. Read, read and understand Hebrews chapter 12. If, if you're going to be a son, you must be disciplined or you're illegitimate. But nobody wants to be disciplined and say, come on, man, get it together. Get over your offense. Stop being divided. Stop living an isolated lifestyle. Get over the fact that somebody's dancing. Somebody shout out, man, that weird, freaky, crazy church. Those people are just so too out of the box for me. Get over those things and say, the Bible's even wilder than anything we could ever do here. So Paul says, I'm coming to inspect the fruit of conduct. There must be moral righteousness. That when I hear how your life's doing, and I'm seeing how you're doing, that I would see what? That I would see that you're standing fast in one spirit. Everybody say one spirit. That I would see that you're standing with one mind striving together. Say one mind. And say one fight. That's my message today. One love. One spirit, which is unity, and one fight. The understanding of striving together. Let me help you understand striving together. I was a state champion wrestler. I know wrestling really, really well. Do you know that wrestling is a one-on-one sport? There's no team wrestling. But when you look this scripture up, it says to come into harmony and agreement and fight together. Why? Because the enemy was going to be launching terroristic attacks against people. I got phantom sicknesses. Already in the fifth day of this year, my wife rear-ended somebody, smashed in the front of our Tahoe. She had a normal routine of a wisdom teeth, normal extraction, which turned into an abnormal abscess or a hematoma in her cheek. She's all swollen up. And I already say, okay, man, the enemy, I got, I got leaders and staff and people getting hit with all kinds of crazy stuff. And I see what God's doing. I'm seeing this pattern. That God is strengthening us through, through difficulties and challenges, not to just barely make it through, but to preach the gospel more boldly because of what's coming. Now I'll be a little louder and a little more confident. So I didn't just, oh man, praise God, I just made it through that. I just hunkered down and I just barely made it. No, I became a fortified house. I wrestled that demon down. I wrestled that thing down and now I came here. So it's kind of like this, okay? I'll pick somebody out over here. Lucinda, stand up. So Lucinda's like, she's being beat. This is, we're role playing. We're role playing. <laughs> Lucinda's beat down, just beat down, right? She's weak. She's hard. She's, but I have been overcoming the enemy as a wrestler, state champion wrestler. Man, I'll just take the title in the spirit. I'm like a state demon busting wrestler, right? <laughs> so I overcoming sickness, death, hardships. I don't understand it, but I never wa- wavered, right? I stayed firm, stayed firm. And man, I learned all my moves and how to take down the enemy. But she doesn't know how to wrestle. So they come on, I'm going to teach you the fireman's carry. I'm going to teach you a headlock. I'm going to teach you how to do a one, two, de- two leg takedown. I'm going to see- teach you a play, which is spinning somebody over their head, slamming them on their back. I mean, I'm going to teach you all these moves, right? <laughs> and so she gets strong, right? She gets strong. Give her a hand clap, right? She's so pretty. <laughs> By the way, she's single and available. Only if, <laughs> let me just tell you. 
I'll make it very clear to any man, if I'm officiating her wedding, you better be on fire. She's not settling for anybody less. This woman loves the Lord. So I can do that as a dad. She's living pure and on fire for the Lord. And it's been hard in the shadows for a lot of single women here. She's on my prayer list, by the way. I've known that. So any man that even comes around, let me tell you something. Be a tongue-talking, demon-busting, mighty man of God, because that's what she wants. Are you guys having fun? This is fun church, isn't it? You should come on Wednesday night. So striving together means this. It means that my mother-in-law who was weak and struggling, she comes here and I said, come on, I'll teach you these moves. We're going to do in relationship life together. I'm going to teach you how to fight. Then she gets strong. I say, line up. And she lines up. Then I grab Dawn, Doug, Kim, Kayla. And I say, line up. And then suddenly I, what happens is, is now I know how to wrestle. She knows how to wrestle. The team knows how to wrestle. And we fight together. So when the Lord of the harvest brings the broken, the sick, the lost, the dying, and they're weak because the devil's playing them like the python girl, now I got an army of wrestlers, and we're striving. Everybody say, strive together, together for the faith of the gospel. Now look at verse 28. Verse 28 is powerful because Paul says, don't be terrified by your adversaries. Why would he say that? Because the enemy's going to try to terrify you. So first he says, get unified. Become one. Because you're much stronger together than separate. You're much stronger in a body. Because if you're a hand, an ear, or an eye, you need a foot, a nose, and a mouth. Understand? Each of you are unique body parts in the, in the body. Ears can't hang out with all ears, and eyes can't hang out with all eyes. That's why God puts different people together. You understand that? So if you want to go to a church where everybody's like you, chances are highly likely that church is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. That's why it can be uncomfortable, because eyes don't really understand what big toes do very well. I mean, a tooth and a finger are like totally different but God unites differences to make a body so we can function in a way that brings life and health and healing to everyone and then if we get unified in one spirit one mind and one fight then what happens we won't be terrified you don't think that the enemy's trying to bring terror who's the first thing ISIS is out to kill Christians mark my words mark my words this is a spiritual battle more Christians were 90,000 Christians were killed for their faith last year alone. Christians are the most persecuted religion in the world right now. Tag, you're it. Get ready for persecution. I am going to be louder, bolder, and more on fire than I've ever been before, and you have to too. And if the devil gets his way, he's going to make you apathetic and sidetracked by the news, the ticker tapes from CNN and Fox News, and get you sidetracked by everything that President Trump is doing, and i got to watch every move and all these other things, and that, this and that, and all this stuff from ISIS. You better get in line with the Holy Ghost, because if you don't, you're going to miss what God's saying and doing, and then you better get unified, because Paul made it very clear, you can't say, you, or I'm sorry, it was John made it clear, you can't say I love God, but don't have love for one another, for your brother. You got to have it. 
So he says, don't be terrified and learn this powerful reality. That the more they try to persecute you, the more the enemy tries to persecute you, it's actually a ninja flip on their head. Look, that's actually the terror of the adversaries will be proof of their perdition, meaning how jacked up and perverted they are because they don't win. So the more the enemies launched attacks and tried to kill me, the more on fire I got. The more they killed Christians, the more Christians multiplied. I don't understand. The more martyrs, if there were 90,000 Christians killed last year, guess what? 90 million Christians are going to come out of it. Because when one dies, thousands are born. That's the way it was with Jesus. Unless a kernel of wheat fell to the ground and died, it wouldn't produce many. So my life has to be a life of death and laying it down for your sake. And not just taking up my own cross, but helping you bear bear your cross. Because Jesus fulfilled the messianic prophecy of Isaiah 53, 4, when he cast out demons and set the captives free. Not just when he hung on the cross. So he was faithful to the point of death. This goes on to say, to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. Meaning there were two deaths. There was the daily life death of helping to carry and set the others free. And there was the cross. So he says, when the enemy comes against you, it's actually going to be a notch in your belt. You will actually crush him even more because of your hardship. Shaka. You get the revelation of this, whatever you're going through right now. If you can do a ninja flip and understand what you're going through. And listen, persecution is not, you can't say, man, I've, I've been beating my wife and checking out on pornography and hurting and living a life of sin and now my life caved in i'm suffering so bad for the gospel not that's not the kind of suffering you brought that upon yourself just own up own up man up woman up i got myself here but god's going to get me out because there's nowhere in the bible that says you made your bed and lie in it and if you're putting that on somebody else you're walking in dysfunction oh you did this to yourself just stay there for a while, sucker. You know what? It's funny, but a lot of Christians have done that. How many of us in our hardship got kicked by Christians when we were down? Too many. That's why Rock City's growing. And you're all a bunch of misfit outcasts. You are all... You, you're all a bunch of nonconformists, ex-drug addicts, ex-this, ex-that. Not all y'all. Some of you, thank God, never did that. And praise God, you fit here. But still, you needed Jesus. We are, a, we are like Jesus' disciples. Oh, man, I'm running out of time. What's happening with the clock? I, it must be wrong. It must be wrong. You know what? I'm only going to get to make this. I got, I'll just pick this message up next week. How's that sound? Golly, man, I got such a good word. I already gave you a good word. But there's more to come. You go read it for yourself. You should walk out of here desiring to, to be like Paul Harvey. Oh. And, now, and then you will know the rest of the story. Who's Paul Harvey? My wife wouldn't even know who Paul Harvey is, all right? That's all right. He says, look, understand this. Even your hardship, 
even if you can remain faithful through your hardship, what will happen? You'll do the ninja flip on the devil, but to you it will strengthen your sozo, which means salvation is the word make you whole, which means it'll make you stronger. So death took a child. I stayed faithful through it. Now I'm stronger. I almost died many times, by the way. I stayed faithful, and God saw me through it. And I'm going to be louder and bolder, and so should you. Notice this last verse. Go to verse 29. It's so important that you understand this verse 29. It's so important. For it has been granted. Let me tell you about the word granted. Granted is, this is a weird word for this spot. Because granted is, I'm so kind and I'm so nice to you that I'm giving you a gift. Now, we could just take out the suffering part and say, man, God is so good and he's so nice, man. And in his kindness and his affection towards me, he gave me and granted me the gift of faith. And just leave it right there. But see, if you don't understand that I don't understand it either, but I understand that God will allow certain things to happen. I don't say, I'm not telling you he made it happen. But God could have stopped certain things and didn't. And when I didn't understand it, and you, anybody here that ever has been hurt from the loss of a child, let me just tell you, I've been through it. I've held a, a lifeless baby in my arms. But I knew in the midst of it, a story was coming out of it. Because I had been through enough hardship in my life to lift and raise my hands and say, God, I don't understand, but I trust you. Because I understand that not only does God in his kindness and his grace grant me faith, he also grants hardship. And he grants hardship, the right kind of hardship, really is first suffering for my faith. But I could have gotten angry and thrown in the towel and not walked in faith. And the devil already knows that persecution to me, you can call me a cult leader. I've been called a cult leader with my long hair, so I guess they can't call me that anymore. I probably look like one. The point is, is I've been called a cult leader. I've been saying, people say, oh, you go to that crazy charismatic demon busting tongue. You pray in tongues? That church prays in tongues? Most churches won't even allow you to prophesy because only the man of God can hear from the Lord. Because if I let you prophesy and start hearing from God's word for yourself, you might get a little sideways, so I'll control you. Not anymore, people. What I need you to understand is the enemy will try to terrorize you, this church, and he'll use all kinds of means, sickness, dysfunction, Division, and I'm asking you as your pastor to every visitor here today, please, please, I'm asking you like Paul asked the Philippian church, please. It was like, and Paul goes on to say, therefore, verse chapter two, might as well go there, just pull it up. Can you guys give me two more minutes? Paul says, look, therefore, it's almost like I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you. If you have any consolation, the word consolation is the word, also the word paraclesis. It means if the Holy, if Jesus is comforting you in any way, any little shred of belief and comfort and consolation from Jesus. 
If there's any fellowship with the Holy Spirit, any, if there's any bit of an ounce of affection and mercy in your life, please, if you are at, have any affection and mercy in your life, do this next verse. Fulfill my joy by being unified. Having the same love, one accord, and one mind. And do you know how we're going to do that? When you walk in supernatural love, care, and empowerment from the Holy Spirit. You have been listening to a message from David Bendet, Senior Pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's prayer is for a deeper understanding of God's love and purpose for your life and that all of us would grow into a greater awareness of our identity in Christ. Thank you for listening, and until next time, stay fired up!